This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans, go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is February eighth, two thousand twenty-one. It is literally February eighth. 2021 luke and i are recording this like six minutes before midnight so we say each Mm -hmm. monday and we did technically start recording this on monday so it still counts luke what's going on how are those enchiladas oh they were quesadillas first of all don't disrespect okay you're right you're right you're right the quesadillas so uh yeah no uh they were great they slapped um you know jonathan since we last spoke there is a new super bowl champ um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, congrats to yep. uh, if we've got some Bucks fans. I'm sure we've got some Bucks fans that listen to our show. Absolutely. Uh, so, con- congrats to you guys. Uh, you guys were blessed with a great defense this year and uh, a great quarterback and the greatest of all time. So, I mean, that's that'll get the job done. I want to talk some Tom in just a moment, but this uh, the beginning of this podcast. I just feel like I have to ask you this question: Were you like <laughs> is like Napoleon Dynamite like you're still like relevant to you? Because we're, yeah. we're a few years apart, I mean, but I, like, I just never know, like, especially, oh, okay, he's hitting the, the butterfly. All right, so yes, that's, that would be that would be yeah. a yes. Okay. Napoleon, I don't know about you. Lord, get some dinner. The first time that I saw Napoleon Dynamite, I was probably in like sixth or seventh grade when that movie came out, and I thought it was the dumbest thing I had ever seen in my life. I completely hated it. And then the second time I watched it, because I, I rented it for Movie Gallery, all right? We're going way back in the time machine. I rented it from Movie Gallery. Movie Gallery. I hated it the first time. I'm like, what is everyone talking about? And then my dad wanted to watch it. So I watched it with my dad, and then I just it just clicked. And I, I realized how stupid and just hilarious the entire thing was. So, mm-hmm. Dude, I mean, it's a great movie. It's like, a great movie. Don't be jealous because I've been online chatting with babes all day. Like All day. Kip, Kip is the goat. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yes, the Bucks won Kip. the Super Bowl. Um, man, it's just it, it's crazy because – I feel like in my lifetime, I've been very um, privileged to be able to, to witness history, like almost on a regular basis. And I'm sure most people experience that to some extent. But the fact that before last night, no team had ever played the Super Bowl and hosted it in their home stadium. And the fact that they were able to mm-hmm. win that. Tom Brady's now got seven freaking Super Bowls. Like, are you kidding me? So... And if it weren't for mm-hmm. Eli Manning, he'd have, you know, 12. That's so, or I mean, right, nine, baby. 12 he, he'd have nine right, if it wasn't 10, for Nick nine. Foles. And Eli, he would have 10. But, yes, Eli will forever be the only quarterback to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl twice. And I, I don't care what anybody says. Eli Manning deserves to be a Hall of Famer if for no other reason than that. Yes, had great defenses both of those years, but still made the plays down the stretch, still got done what needed to be done I, anybody that wants to come and yeah. argue Eli Manning with me you are you are messing with your life I will tell you that right now okay. uh yeah and the, the last thing I'm gonna say about Tom Brady is it's insane like 20 2012 right lose to the Giants at this point in his career he's three and two in the Super Bowl he's lost you know back to back to the Giants there's people talking about you know, the Patriots may need to go to a different direction, maybe, or, you know, is Tom falling off? Like, what what's going on? And Tom Brady has since gone four and one in Super Bowls. He was three and two. 
He's gone four and one. He has had two separate Hall of Fame careers. His career has been two acts. He's at Act One because you know he he won two two thousand two, two thousand four, two thousand five, and then he didn't win again, Jonathan, for ten years, and said, eh, "Doesn't matter. I'm going to win 2015, 2017, 2019, and twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty one, guess what? I'll I'll raise you a little bit. I'm just going to go to to another team who hasn't been to the Super Bowl in a very long time, and we're going to win the championship." I don't so, know I mean, that it's Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. I'm sure at some point we have. But the parlay that I had in place this past fall. and So if if you guys Jonathan missed Burton. it or, or or I haven't mentioned it for whatever reason. But I had a parlay in place okay, for the Lightning to win the Stanley Cup. The Tampa Bay Rays to win the World Series. And then the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. I honestly thought when I made that bet that the Bucks winning the Super Bowl was the least likely of those things to happen. Okay? <laughs> Thanks mm-hmm. to Kevin Cash taking Blake Snell out of the game and the, the Rays would lose the World Series that night. Had it not been for that, if the Rays would have won the World Series, your boy would have been sitting on a fat stack right now. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. you get a PlayStation, and you get a PlayStation, and Luke, <laughs> you don't deserve one, so I'm going to give it to somebody else. And then I would have been tapped oh. out because it would have been like yeah, 1,500 yeah, 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 bones, yeah. but... Um, right. So yeah, man. I mean, props, props to Brady. I mean, a lot of people hate Brady because of the success and that the fact that he's just beat the crap out of all their teams over the years. I'm immune to that because whenever my boy Eli squares up with Brady in the mm-hmm. final round, Eli brings it home for the Giants. So Brady don't bother me. He's he's right. he's but he's the goat. If, if if Tom Brady's the goat, what's Eli Manning? You know, the goat killer, baby. <laughs> He's a bad man, baby. That's Eli, oh, Eli, really Eli is the man. Start here. Anyways, all right. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk some Orlando Magic <laughs> basketball? I mean, do we have to? I feel like we I have to. Do Do I want to? There are there are some things on my mind, Jonathan. Yeah. So oh, I'm ready. You're telling me. All right. Let's let's run it through real quick. The <laughs> weekly state of the Magic Luke current record of nine and fifteen after going one and two on the week. Lost to the Raptors on Tuesday. Then they split their back to back with the Chicago Bulls on Friday and Saturday night. Currently thirteenth in the Eastern Conference. They are no longer eligible for that playing game if that was to take place right now. They've dropped a little bit in the last couple of weeks. They are twenty seventh in the league. They're bottom four team right now, Luke. 27th in offensive rating, 25th in defensive rating. 538, Luke, gives the Magic a 19% chance of making the playoffs. Now, Luke and I work off of like an an outline every week, so we kind of know what we're going to talk about. Right now I have surprise, so Luke has no idea what I'm about to bring up, okay? For those of you that are interested in the tank, okay, and we all know that Bleacher Report, is not the most reliable of sources. However, mm-hmm. as it is right now, Bleacher Report has the Orlando Magic selecting, drumroll please, Jalen Green, number five overall. So if you've been listening to the podcast the last couple of weeks, I don't know that I am advocating the tank quite yet. However, if it does play out that way, the guy that I have circled How? that I think is realistic for the Magic to get would be Jalen Green. Now, let's say this. Obviously, a lot is in the air when it comes to the draft lottery. They've, they've redone the percentages, and they, they've, they've shifted a lot of things around, right? So, uh, if, if I told you this, Jonathan, the Magic Tank and 
the only player that they get out of the tank is Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham. You know, sweeten the pot a little bit. Uh, but I know Jalen Green's your boy. So if I tell you Magic Tank and you get Jalen Green no matter what, are you on the tank train immediately? And, Woo. you know, are you on it? Are you the conductor? Mm. I'm Tom Hanks at the back of the, the train handing out hot cocoa. <laughs> Punching tickets on the Polar Express, all aboard, choo-choo. But the thing with the tank is that Mm -hmm. these things are just never guaranteed, right? Like, you just don't know that it's going to happen. Now, we've talked about it again and again. The the longer the season goes on, the more games we lose, the more injuries that we, you know, just rack up. It it doesn't seem like it's the worst idea, right? But then I I can't Mm -hmm. discredit the people that are coming out and saying, no, it's important that we try to win games try to stay competitive, get these guys to play meaningful games in April and May and, and, and so on and so forth. So I, I, we, last week's episode, we, we named it Tug of War because that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm, I'm really at a tug of war with a lot of things. When, it, when we're talking about the front office, is our front office good? I'm not really sure. They're not terrible, but they're not spectacular. What's going on with Cliff? Is he a good coach to a certain extent, but does he have his limitations? Yeah, absolutely. Do I want us to continue to win games and be competitive? Yeah, because that's fun. But long-term, is it a smarter idea to lose some of these games and try to get higher lottery odds in a draft that, by all accounts, is freaking stacked? So that, mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. I don't know about you. No, I mean, that. yeah, that's, I, I, think, I think, you know, it, the writing's on the wall. Not that 538 is the end-all, be-all, right? But 538 had Orlando at like 74% chance when I brought up 538 at the beginning of the year to you. And now they've fallen to, what you say, did you say 19? 19. So that's less than 1 in 5 if you're yeah. not great at math. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the writing's on the wall. Um, and we'll get into this later, but I just think that uh, – the Orlando Magic have a um, are having an identity crisis right now and don't know which way to go. Um, and I hope that that they make the right decision. And I hope that you know, obviously, hindsight is going to be twenty twenty for us uh, to look back and be like, oh, they should have done this. They should have done this. Um, I hope in the moment they make the right decisions, and that 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 starts at the top and gets to Cliff. And we all know what we want Cliff to do. So uh, I just hope that that eventually happens. I'm not optimistic, though, about that. Well, this is the thing. Like, in the grand scheme of things, like, we really don't know what the heck is going on. Like, we don't know what the, you know, the, the true goals of the, the front office are. Like, if they are at all fluid or, or changing from week to week, we don't, we don't know any of that. All that we know is at the beginning of this season into the off season, they decided to bring the band, you know, keep the band together, bring everybody back and try to be competitive and, and try to make the playoffs again. In the first couple of weeks, it looked like that was going to be the case. You know, we started off 4-0. and Everybody's, you know, clicking on all cylinders and everything like that. But Markel goes down, and then just since then, literally it seems like everybody has gone down. So has their outlook on the season changed? I, I, I really don't know, to be perfectly honest with you. But I think we're going to find out in the next month or so. Like if they stand pat at the trade deadline and don't do anything – and that tells us everything that we need to know. You know, it mm-hmm. tells us that their end-all, be-all is to make the playoffs. And for better or worse, like you said, 
hindsight is twenty twenty, and we will figure out. But right now, we really don't know. Like, I could say, oh, we need a tank, and then, you know, we end up tanking. We don't tank hard enough because we have guys like Nikola Vucevic, Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier. Uh, we're going to talk about Alfaruk Aminu possibly coming back, but Aaron Gordon, once he's back and healthy, you know, they might talk themselves into playing for the 9-10 seed and try to get into the playing tournament and try to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know. Even if we try to tank, maybe with those guys we don't tank hard enough and we end up with, like, the 8th or ninth pick, and we're like, oh, well, this isn't really what we wanted either. So, right. that's the thing. You're never guaranteed things when it comes to to the tank. But I just wanted to bring that up because when I was going through some of the NBA mock drafts, dude, my cats are in the background going absolutely ham right now. If you guys hear that, I apologize. They're, I might have a new pair of socks tomorrow. Um, anyways, um, let's talk some injury stuff uh, before we start to recap the games of the week. So Michael Carter-Williams still working his way back from a sprained foot. He's been out since January 6th. Luke, he's missed, missed the last 17 games. I didn't realize it was that long, but it, it has been. It's been over a month now. Evan Fournier out again dealing with back spasms. He was a late scratch on Sunday night against the Bulls. Al Farouk Aminu, he should be able to return to the lineup. Uh, hasn't played since November 29th of 2019, so it's been over a year. And I said Sunday. It was Saturday night with Evan Fournier. My apologies. And then Chuma Okiki returned to the lineup, Luke, Tuesday night against the Raptors. Uh, we recorded our last episode uh, Sunday, right after Aaron had rolled his ankle. It really hadn't been determined how long he was going to be out. We were hoping it was going to be a few games. There was some talk about how, you know, depending on how severe the ankle sprain was, that it could be months. Right now, uh, Shams reported last uh, Monday, um, he reported that it's going to look looking like it's four to six weeks Aaron with the uh, severe left ankle sprain. And then this isn't really injury reported, but this week we did waive Jordan Bone and we signed Frank Mason the third. So, Luke, I really just wanted to ask you really quickly, how did you feel about Chuma coming back um, this week? How did he look to you? And then thoughts on Al Farouk Aminu coming back and then the uh, waiving Jordan Bone and signing Frank Mason? Uh, Yeah, I mean, Chuma, Chuma coming back, I mean, he looks... He looks good. I mean, what is it, his first night? Um, you know, he has 10 points, 4 or 5 from the field, 100% from 3, 2 for 2. Uh, struggled with fouls. Maybe, you know, conditioning got to him, stay in front of guys, that type of stuff. Um, not not an aspect of his game I'm worried about at all when it comes to his defense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he looked good that he came back against the Raptors where, you know, the Magic lost um, by, I think, like 15 or something. Um, so, but then, you know, Chuma has already showing flashes. I mean, he was gone for months, um, and he's already, you know, back and showing flashes. So, really, I'm a big fan of Chuma. I think he could be a really great addition to this team. I've been saying that since he was drafted last year, um, coming out of Auburn. But, uh, yeah, and then when it comes to Jordan Bone, I mean, it's it's not a lateral, because I think Frank Mason is uh, is better, Um, but... And, you know, right now we do need guard, you know, guard depth till MCW comes back. I think MCW comes back and then, like, you know, we kind of fade out Mason. Um, but, I mean, he's he's fine. He's fine. Like I, like I said, he's better than Bone. Um, he's He's got decent vision um, on the court and, and you know, that, but he's just, he's small. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. Yeah, I wasn't 
I, I don't think this is going to end up really – it's not a needle mover in my opinion, waving Jordan no. Bone and bringing Frank Mason. I think it was just more so um, a move as far as like the style of play and the way that Cliff wants that second unit to operate where Jordan Bone is definitely – like very much your traditional combo guard, which I mean, I don't even think you can say traditional combo guard yet because it's really just a term that we've started to use the last, you know, four or five years. Um, it's just one of those hot terms right now. Um, but Frank Mason is definitely much more of your traditional, you know, point guard. Last year was the G League MVP. So, you know, I mean, he's 5'11", which when, when I saw that, I just, I had no idea he was, you know, of that stature, he barely taller than I am, so that's a little bit concerning. I mean, there was a play late in the game Saturday night against the Bulls uh, where he's you know driving towards the basket and just gets leveled. Like I thought, I thought Frank Mason might have died. Like <laughs> he hit the ground that hard. I'm like, oh my lord, this guy mm-hmm. just signed with us and now he is deceased. But <laughs> bounced right back up and, and, and hustled his butt down to the other end of the floor. So. I'm hoping this is going to be a guy like now from now into the rest of my life. Anytime I hear a guy was the G League MVP, I'm going to think of Chris Boucher with the Toronto Raptors yeah. and how good he's been. So mm-hmm. I'm like, man, maybe maybe he can be that good. That would be incredible. But I don't think it's a really consequential move. Michael Carter Williams back, comes back. If if it was Jordan Bone, if it's Frank Mason, that guy is going to become the third point guard. You know, in the depth chart, there's no way that Michael Carter Williams just isn't going to see the floor. But with uh, with Aminu coming back, I think things get really interesting because, you know, we've been playing uh, Aaron, obviously, at the, the four. He's hurt. But Gary Clark, Kem's seen some time at the four. Now that Al Farouk is coming back, and Cliff was actually asked about this today, um, you know, how that is all going to work with the three of those guys. And, and Cliff said in a year like this where you have so many injuries, that is really one of the things that you think about the most and work on the most is, how guys are going to play together, what are the best lineups going to be, how are you going to break down everyone's minutes and everything. And we'll talk more about the whole minute situation when we get to a certain player on the team that wears number five uh, in, in just a little bit. But His name's Mo Bamba. Okay, spoiler alert. Thanks a yeah, lot, Luke. I was, yeah, I was yeah. trying to trying to bury the lead there, and you just like ripped it right out. So yeah. that that's awesome. Appreciate yeah, well, that very number much. Number five gave it away, all right? No, yeah, yeah, you're right. All right. Um, but yeah, as far as Chuma coming back, he looked really good in, the, in you know in the first game, and then struggled a little bit, um, you know, in the, the the second and third games, both of those against the Bulls. So um, I know he obviously he's working on getting the conditioning back and everything like that. Not worried about Chuma, but Chuma coming back, Alfred Aminu coming back. You know, we were talking about as bad as this team has been the last few weeks. That when they start to get some guys back, like Chuma, like Alfred Aminu, like Michael Carter Williams that that is kind of when you could start to talk yourself into the team making a run at like the 9-10 seed. Now without Aaron Gordon, it doesn't look quite as good, but both of those guys, I think, it's so weird with Alfred Aminu because I think people really have forgotten how solid he was for Portland. Definitely he's not Dame, he's not CJ, he's not one of those guys, but in terms of just always being in the right spots, not hurting you, I think that's so underrated. Just having a guy that's not going to hurt you when they're on the floor is really a big deal. I mean, people go crazy about Evan Fournier, and that's really his his biggest downside is that at times he does things at the absolute worst moment that hurt you. So having a guy out there that is just going to be really solid, another glue guy, right? 
we didn't get to see too much of him in that se- it was now two seasons well was it two seasons it feels like two seasons ago but it was just last season the beginning of last season um which feels just like a lifetime ago but it, it was really weird with Al Farouk people didn't know how he was going to fit from the day that we signed him and then it was really evident early on that even he wasn't really sure how to fit in with that team he never really hit his stride so he it's basically starting at square one with Al Farouk. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how all of that works out. Um, he's going to be, you know, just the, the depth at the forward position is definitely going to be really, really important. So really quickly, um, you know, it's been five, six days now, so we can just talk about uh, Raptors game two, Luke. So at the beginning of that game, Evan Fournier comes out and is just like shooting the lights out. And I'm like, okay, if this is going to continue. Thought he was scoring 50. Yeah, I was like, Evan's Evan's going to drop 50 tonight, right? Little did I know that Fred Van Vliet was like, no, this is this is my career night, Evan. Like, sit down. Mm-hmm. So, Fred, Fred Van Vliet, 54 points on the way to a Toronto Raptor, 123-108 to 108 victory, Luke. And I, I don't think you have to look any further than what Fred Van Vliet was able to do. Yeah, it's just really ironic to me. Uh, the the long the team that prides themselves on being so long and lanky, you know, gets gets washed by the shortest guy on the court. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for no slight to Fred Van Vliet. I mean, he's a great player. Um, couldn't miss. I mean, when a player is not missing, eleven for fourteen from three. Like what? What? It, what is that? Eleven for fourteen from three. Like that's ridiculous. That that's that's what Steph Curry considers to be a great night for him. Like, it, he was just playing out of his mind. I mean, before that, his career high was like forty something. Um, so yeah, I mean, when it when a guy scores almost half your points, like just look directly at him. He's the reason. Um, yeah, I mean, him with fifty four. Norman Powell beat you with twenty three. Lowry had a triple double, fourteen, ten, and ten. I mean, they were firing all cylinders. The Magic really didn't stand a chance, to be honest. Well, the thing with Fred Van Vliet, and um, if you guys haven't listened to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast with Orlando Magic UK, they are gracious enough to ask me to come on this week, and we were talking about it on that episode. If you guys haven't heard that, go check that out. But after Fred hit like his seventh or eighth three, like I'm, I, if I'm Cliff, I'm calling timeout, and I'm, I'm just like, Dwayne, Evan, what the hell are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. If this guy tr- even tries to get a three attempt off, just level him, like. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't hurt him. Don't pull a Kyle Lowry, but you know, just just lower the shoulder into him a little bit. You know, just let let him know you're there. Hey, how you doing? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? How's your mother? Just hit him. <laughs> just do something so he feels a little bit uncomfortable. That right? probably still would have gone in anyway. To be honest with I you, mean, Fred VanVleet just played out of his mind. Sometimes you're just in your bag like that. You know what I'm saying? I was I, mean, I was yeah. not to not to be you know a rec oh, center superstar. Oh, don't right? do this. What, one day I'm telling you, I was like 17, 18 oh. years old. I was I was lighting cats up. If yeah. if you were at the Newport Richie Rec Center like October of 2011 through like <laughs> May of 2012, you knew at one point or another this boy right here gave you the business. If you're out there listening, you know it's true. But dude, one one day I'm just I'm murdering cats, and this kid mm-hmm. literally this kid was like I don't know six two six three. I go up for a three, the kid levels me right. Mm-hmm. Still nothing but net. Like some some <laughs> days it's just your day, no matter what happens. The ball is going to go in. So, not to brag on myself, but you know, yeah. Sometimes that, you just got to flex on them, let them you know, know what's up. While everybody's laughing at us for our, um, you Who's know, laughing for they're not laughing. Things, You're laughing. No. So you know, while we're here, the rim just looks big, right? 
Uh, did that I'll take day. you. I'll take you to University of Florida intramural basketball, a couple years ago. Right, first half have the worst shooting half of my life. I'm like one for eight. Second mm. half, nine for ten from three. Just hey, that's what I'm talking. Putting about. it in, you know. And they didn't. So, uh, see, same thing. They let you get too comfortable. Yeah, it didn't matter. I was shooting from everywhere. Shooting from everywhere. Didn't matter. Um. Now, I'm no Fred Van Vliet, but I can attest to I've only been in that zone once in my life, and that was that night where you know if you put the ball up, it's going in. And that was it's an, a ridiculous feeling. And I imagine if you're an NBA player, I mean, that, that feeling probably happens a lot, but not like that for, Fed, for Fred Van Vliet shooting 11 for 14. That is stupid. I think, and, and this is, dude, I'm so glad that we talked about Napoleon Dynamite because we are just Uncle Rico in it up right now, like 100%. <laughs> I, I, I throw, could the, throw ball the ball over the over mountains. mountains. That's right, baby. <laughs> I yeah, I've been in that zone maybe like three or four times, and there is legit like no better feeling in the world when you walk into a gym and you literally you're like forty feet out and you just throw the the ball behind your head and it goes in. You're just like, okay, <laughs> this day, y'all messed up. Y'all y'all should not have woken up today. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, anyways, that that's what Fred Van Vliet did to the to the Orlando Magic uh, the other night, and then um, so on to uh, the Chicago Bulls. Win one twenty three to one nineteen, the Magic coming off of what was that four losses in a row after beating the Hornets. Um, Nikola Vucevic just came out slanging it. I think he scored like thirteen out of the first fifteen points for the Orlando Magic. He ends the night with forty three points, nineteen rebounds, a new career high uh, for Nikola Vucevic and Luke. The last few minutes there, it, it really was in doubt that Vuce was going to eclipse the career high. I think he started the fourth quarter with like 35 or 36 points because I think I texted you and best friend Drew, no big deal. I think I texted right. you guys at the half and he had like 21 or 24 points and we were like, man, Vooch's career high is 43. And I'm like, I'm going to take the under because if Billy Donovan is smart whatsoever, he's going to start double teaming Vooch like every single play in the second half like the like the Raptors would do, like Nick Nurse would do. And I don't know what Daniel Gafford, poor Daniel Gafford, did to Billy Donovan. Not only is he, like, washing Billy Donovan's car seven times a week, but (laughs) Billy was just like, sorry, bro, I'm not sending any help. That's all you. And, and Vooch, it was just over and over and over again, just destroying the kid. But the last few minutes there, it was like we were getting some free throws. The Bulls were, were trying to, you know, um, hold on to as much time as they could on the clock. Cole Anthony knocks down a couple of free throws. And then it's, I'm screaming in my living room, get Vooch the ball. Like, even if we lost mm-hmm. that game, it was just like, I wanted Vooch to get his career high. Yeah, I, was, uh, I wasn't actually able to watch the game um, because I was working. And uh, so I, on my phone, I've got the ESPN app, the game, game score, whatever, the, you know, the play-by-plays. And uh, that last minute, I'm just like refreshing. I'm scrolling down on my phone. I'm like, show me who's shooting free throws for the Magic. Show me who's shooting free throws. It was like Cole and whoever else shot free throws. It was like we did. We had a few times, a few different guys shooting free throws down the stretch uh, with like a minute and a half left. And uh, then I see three seconds left, and I saw someone personal foul. I was like, wait, what? Vooch going to the line. I see Vooch hits the first one. That sets him at his career high at 42. Hits the next one, 43. Congratulations, Vucevic, because you deserve it, man, because uh, in a year like this, you know, in order to keep a guy around, he needs to have some career games. And uh, thank goodness he had a career game. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm looking at the play by play right now. So uh, Vooch had a a twelve foot jumper uh, with uh, one forty four left in the game to put the Magic up one fourteen to one twelve, and he doesn't get another shot attempt uh, really until the free throws with two point six seconds left to put the game out of reach, and then you know it, it's basically over at that point. But um, yeah, it, it's just like the last two minutes, the guy's got forty one at this point. It's like you know who I might go to down the stretch here, Vooch. <laughs> And for him at times to just not touch the ball, it, it's it's really just really, really frustrating. But, yeah, I mean, the frustrating thing about this was, so we play the Bulls again the very next night. And if you're watching this game, Zach Levine ended the night with 26 points. 24 of those came in the fourth quarter. So not only did it take Vooch scoring a career high, but it also took Zach Levine not deciding to play basketball until the final quarter of that game, and we barely won that 123-119. to 119. So the very mm-hmm. next night, Zach, from the opening tip, is like, all right, we are, we're not about to lose two games in a row. So long story short, the Magic get blown out 118-92, to 92, and obviously it, it wasn't even that close. Um, like the, the Magic went on a run in the fourth quarter, and Zach Levine came back into the game to make sure that things weren't going to get out of hand. But he ended the night with 39 points, 16 of 25 from the floor. Uh, Vucevic, 17 points, 8 rebounds the night after his career high. But neither of those stat lines, Luke, were really the most impressive of the night. Would you agree? Oh, I'm, I would definitely agree. Tell me who was uh, part, of that, part of that run there to put it from a 30-point game to 20. So, so you're basically like you go into the fourth quarter – Okay, you're you're basically down thirty. You're like heading yeah. into the fourth. And I tweeted out, I was like, Mo Bamba needs to start the fourth quarter. Like I, I honestly didn't believe that it was going to happen. I was just kind of hoping because mm-hmm. if I was coaching, that's what I would have done. Like coming off a of back to back, the team has played like crap the entire night. Evan Fournier wasn't in the game. You know, he was a late scratch with the back spasms. So I was like, if it was me, I, I would get Mo in this game, even if I'm Steve Clifford, right? So you asked the question, who was on the floor for that that run that Billy Donovan's like, all right, Zach, get back in the game. So this it not it never got close, but Billy Donovan was like, I don't even want it to be in danger of getting close. So Mo Bamba was on the floor, Luke, during that run. So Mo played the entire fourth quarter, scores fourteen points, seven rebounds, seven of eight from the floor, three blocks, and an assist in in twelve minutes. You know, Jonathan, that's that's crazy because a guy that plays 12 minutes straight tells me conditioning is not part of the problem here. Nope. Is it? Nope. He did not even look um, gassed for more than five seconds, and then it was like, all right, let me get back. Yeah, yeah. So th- that's the thing is, is none of this is about it. And, and Cliff came out and said, quite literally, this is not about conditioning. Um, Cliff came and said, you know, we've got, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, our center spot is the deepest spot. Vucevic is playing great. Kim Birch uh, is not just a good player. He's playing terrific. So pretty much at this point, you've got the, um, so now we know, all right? We know that it's, it's Bamba. And the, and the whole press conference was weird because he talked about how, 
Mo played really good out of the pick and roll, and he's been telling him that's what he needs to do to get better and, and for his future. First of all, where is his future, Cliff? Because you're ever telling him what he needs to do for his future, uh, like you're not part of it or something. Um, you're telling me that, that he, like, oh, he just needs to get better at the pick and roll. He did really good at that tonight. Um, Kim Birch is good, was was just not just a good player anymore. He's terrific. It's like, w- just say it. Just say it that Mo Bamba is not the player you want on the court. He doesn't fit your scheme, whatever it might be. The conditioning is not the problem anymore. You've got a franchise and a fan base that is stuck between here we've got tank, 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 and here you've got win games. And for the sake of his staff, it feels like Steve Clifford just wants to win games. Because if he wanted to 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 tank and be it's not necessarily just tank, it's it's build for the future of the young players, right? And you would think that your sixth overall pick from a few years ago would be one of those guys. We don't know what he is because guess what? He's playing six minutes a game. We thought it was conditioning, and maybe at one point it was because he was recovering from COVID. It is obvious and quite literally could not be any more straightforward after that Steve Clifford quote. It is no longer conditioning. Mo Bamba needs to be on the floor to develop for the future because guess what, Cliff? This year's done. This year's over. I mean, what, you go 10, 10 seed, you get knocked out in the play-in game, and you get a crappy pick. It's like, who wins there? That doesn't boost your coaching resume any more than it would you making the lottery. And then guess what, Cliff? Next year is the year that you prove yourself. That's the year because you have all the pieces. Mobamba's better because you played him more than six minutes a game, and you look like the hero at the end of the day. You don't look like the hero playing Kim Birch. And not playing Mobamba and and going on a press conference talking about his future and all this crap. Like, just just cut the crap, Cliff. I don't understand. I don't get it. All right, let's take a quick break. I am so proud and pleasantly surprised that you brought up Cliff talking about Mo's future because. When I heard that initially, I was like, "I was like, wait, why? Why are you talking about the future? As in, like, it doesn't involve Mo being here or playing for you." And I was like, "Maybe I'm just being paranoid." And then I listened to his post practice availability today, and he still continued to talk about Mo becoming a rim runner on the pick and roll, like it's something that he needs to add, like something that he will add. I think it was pretty evident in that game. He's already pretty good at it. Like, you throw the ball up there where it, it can't just be picked off or whatever, Mo is almost always finishing at the rim. There was there was one instance where he caught it with one hand and, like, kind of, like, swooped it, like, finger-rolled it in. Mm-hmm. You don't do that by accident. You do that because you have the skills necessary to be able to finish at the rim like that. So I'm so happy that you thought that as well listening to that because all day today I'm like, I'm going to bring it up on the podcast. I'm I'm curious to see what other people think about it. And I'm curious to see if people feel the same way that I feel about it. So the fact that you picked up on that as well tells me that I'm not crazy. Okay. And oh, it yeah. is very concerning the way that he was referring to Mo. And the thing was, Josh Robbins today basically comes out and is like, you know, again, what did you think of, of Mo's performance? And you could see that it almost killed Cliff to say that Mo played well. 
Like anybody else does that, Cliff is if that's Ken Birch, Cliff is saying that was phenomenal. Kem has improved so much, blah, blah, blah. If that's Nikola Vucevic, he's one of the best bigs in the league. That was incredible, blah, blah, blah. Mo, he's like, yeah, he played well. Yeah, he played well. What do you mean he played well? I don't care who you're playing against out there. There are NBA bodies on the floor. He dominated for 12 straight minutes. He didn't play well. He dominated while he was on the I mean, floor. I mean, and to the point where Billy Donovan brought Levine back in. Right. That was all like Mo. He, he, yeah, I mean, he scared him into that, to bringing Zach Levine back in the game. And it, it's just crazy, man. Like, another thing from Cliff was, you know, one of the quotes, uh, I think Evan Dunlap tweeted out this this piece from his presser, but um, it said when asked about, you know, if there's a chance he could find more time for Mo, he said, there's just not enough minutes to do that. You never know what's going to happen. Right now, Kim's the backup. Mo's the third guy. He played well. Saturday, he's doing a good job. What does that ha- like? Th- if there is not a more clear cut, I'm I've given up on Mo. Like that that is the, all the evidence that you need. There's just not enough minutes to happen. Sure, there's enough minutes for that to happen. You can split the time between cut Kim's minutes and give him some to Mo. I've played two K Cliff. I know how that goes. Allotting minutes to players. You just you just move the little bar down and you, you and then it says it says eight to ten minutes or whatever it is remaining time minutes remaining on your roster and then you just give it to somebody else and allot the minutes to him. That's all it is, man. It, what do you mean there's not enough minutes? Just say you've given up. Just say you've given up or or you can say, I held him out too long and now I'm gonna look like an idiot when he's balling. So guess what? I'm just gonna stuff him on the bench. Maybe the front office will come to him and be like, hey, we have some great trade proposals around the deadline. I think we can really just fit Mo in there, Mo in there since you're in love with Kim. Like, is it, is it, is it, does, does, does Cliff love Kim or MCW more? Because I don't know at this point. First of all, fair. Definitely fair question. <laughs> but I wanted to go back to you mentioning that, you know, Billy Donovan had to bring Zach back into the game. So the Magic were down 31. They were down 95 to 64 at the beginning of the fourth quarter at the let's see where is this here I just had this at the seven minute 11 seven minutes 11 seconds mark the lead was cut from 31 down to 22 in the matter of five minutes so Billy Donovan has to bring in Zach Levine okay Mm -hmm. I know people out there hate when I do this right but let's take another look at Mo's PER because it just keep it, the the per thirty six because it just keeps going up, and when it just keeps going up, and if someone's numbers keep going up and they're doing it very efficiently, it tells you one thing: one, it's not a fluke, and two, they're just getting better. Okay, so Mo's per thirty six numbers as right now. 29.9 points, 17.1 rebounds, 3.7 blocks. He's shooting 62.9% from the floor on the season, 22 of 35. At one point, is this not a small sample size? And I just, there's nothing else in my mind that Mo could possibly be able to do on the floor other than what he did Saturday night against the Bulls. There's no other instance where he's going to get 12 straight minutes of playing time other than in the middle of a 30-point blowout where you know you're not coming back and then scores 
14 points, seven rebounds, three blocks, and one assist while shooting seven of eight. The only shot that he missed was his first shot attempt. He finished the game making seven shots in a row. One of them was almost a step back three. Okay, And when I talk about the things that Mo is able to do, Kem is just not able to do those things. Mo had a block and then threw an outlet pass the other end of the court. I believe it was to Dwayne Bacon who, who laid in the ball. Kem is never, ever, ever in a million bajillion years going to be able to do the things that Mo is able to do. Is it possible that Mo could become a, a, an energy guy like Kem? Sure, maybe. Would he be able to set as good as screens as Kem? Probably not, but maybe. But is Kem going to be able to protect the rim like Mo? No. Is he going to be able to shoot the ball like Mo? No. Is he going to have the, the the skills to be able to develop some type of like ball handling ability? Absolutely not. Is he going to be able to finish at the rim like Mo? Absolutely not. Like, What are we doing here? And I'm right there with you, Luke. It feels like Cliff has given up on Mo. And the next five weeks or so, are going to tell us if the front office has given up on Mo. Because if they haven't, they need to move Ken Birch. Because at, at this point, what else are we doing? You're you're not helping Mo. You're not going to help his value. You're you're just further hurting his confidence, really. Yeah, I mean it, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Um, people want to argue the the scrub argument, and you've made this point this point before, Jonathan, but. Uh, scrubs playing with scrubs, they're they're all easily identifiable because they're all scrubs. You see Mo Bamba out on the court, and he's just dominating these dudes. Like someone with a per thirty six like Mo having almost thirty points a game, twenty nine point nine, seventeen rebounds. And on top of that, he's efficient from the field. Three point percentage is not that great, but like it's not close. It's not far from being just average. Um. So, like, even if you cut that in half, man, what is that, uh, 15 points and, what, eight eight rebounds, roughly? 15 points, eight, eight and a half rebounds, something like that, and, and one and a half blocks? Like, if he even cuts that production in half against people that aren't scrubs, then what's the, what? why not? I mean, you can't tell me Kim doesn't ever play against a scrub either, or someone close to a scrub, and Kim's you know, per 36 is 11, 11 and 10. Like that's not bad, but guess what? The guy behind him is 20, 29.9 and 17. So it's, it's, it's going to become very clear. I'm very interested to see what happens at the deadline. Like you said, it's very telling. Uh, it'll be very telling to see what happens at the deadline. Like I've said, it just seems like they're, you know, the, the, the fan base at this point wants to, you know, develop toward future. And the, the the magic and the staff wants to win still, so someone needs to show them uh, five thirty eight prediction percentages, and uh, let's move on and let's just continue to let Mo develop, let Chuma develop, let Cole develop. I mean that's that's a lot of good run for for three guys, and you know I, I know that I used to say things like young guys need to be com- in competitive games, but how about let's just get the young guys in the game period. And at this point, it's it's over. Like, Markel's done for the year. Like, it's over. There's not going to be competitive games anyway. It's just like we're either going to be probably a little bit below average or we can just suck, embrace the suck, play your players that you think aren't good enough, 
uh, like Mo Bamba, and let them develop, and then see what you got next year. Uh, just chalk it up as an L. No one's going to fault you for that, Cliff. You get a free pass. You're starting point guard towards ACL. And your other player, who's one of the best players on your team, towards ACL. What are you afraid of? Just just tank. They'll praise you next year when you go, when you do well and you end up as a fourth seed in the East. Yeah, Vegas's odds right now have Cliff as like the fourth or fifth, you know, best odds at, to be the first head coach fired. I don't think there's any instance that it's possible that the Magic fire Steve Clifford this year, if for no other reason than the maybe injuries. Maybe that's what he's looking at. I mean, maybe, I have, maybe Cliff's tapped into Vegas. I have no idea. It to, just doesn't make any sense to me because if they were to fire Steve Clifford, then we're looking at our sixth head coach in the last nine years. And organizationally, that just looks terrible. E- even if he does need to be fired, I could see a team holding on to him for another year, even two years, just so they're not like, okay, this is going to be our sixth head coach in nine years. It just looks terrible from a head I mean, coach standpoint where they're like, if I'm going to take this job, if the team's not good and it's not my fault, I'm still going to get fired. Yeah, you just well, look like an ins- you know, like a like there's instability in the organization at that point. Yeah, you, yeah. Eventually, it becomes like it's the organization's fault, not the coach's fault that have come through. Exactly. Um, no, I mean, but but the reality is, man, what Cliff's two for two on postseason appearances, something the franchise hadn't had in years. So uh, he's uh, give him a year where he doesn't make the playoffs. I don't think that that's even the conversation of him being fired. I doubt that's the case. Like I said, you've got a you've got a free pass now because Markel tore his ACL. Like that, he was going to be a big. We saw that already. He was a big reason this team was going to make the postseason before. A big reason the team started six and two. I mean, it, it it doesn't make sense why he wouldn't just just throw in the towel and not even just throw in the towel, throw in the towel and let these young guys get run. That's that that seems like the only logical thing to do. Maybe after the deadline, you know, we have a better idea of the identity, but it's it's super frustrating. I'm gonna say this one last time about Mo's per 36, just because every single week, you know, whether it's on Twitter, or, you know, Reddit or whatever, whenever I start talking about the per 36, I just get crapped on. We're not saying that it's realistic for Mo to put those numbers up in, you know, 36 minutes, but. You just can you cannot from this point forward. You can't just throw it out the window that Mo sucks. He doesn't play with energy, and that Kem's better because the eye test doesn't tell you that, and the numbers don't tell you that either. So at this point, it, it's just it's Cliff's preference, honestly, because Mo hasn't been given the chance to prove whether or not he's able to produce in regular minutes this year. So my thing yeah, well, Luke, I mean, yeah. No, go I ahead. was just going to say, if you don't want to, if, if people don't want to hear us talk about per 36, then you guys can email Cliff or something. Tell him to give him more minutes because I can't, I can't talk about stats with a guy that plays six minutes a game. Right. No, that's fair. So no, we my, have to talk about per 36. So my thing with the, the front office now is, you know, they get hired. Frank Vogel's the coach. You have that year to just evaluate things, evaluate Frank Vogel, evaluate the roster, right? Um, they draft Jonathan Isaac, you know, that, that summer. So, obviously, he's hurt. You don't really get too much time to, you know, evaluate Jonathan. But you, you evaluate the rest of the roster, right? Like, they got a look at um, at Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic and everything like that. Then they decided to hire Steve Clifford, which just traditionally he's not a guy, you know, sort of like a Scott Skiles, who isn't going to embrace the youth, okay? So, 
the idea that we had of, you know, we're, we're really going to, you know, turn a chapter and invest into the youth. I don't really know where that came from because everything that the front office has done up to this point doesn't really point to that. Like, sure, you know, you draft Jonathan Isaac because you have a draft pick, right? You trade for Markel Fultz because you're taking a flyer on a guy who could be really special. It was a really smart move. The the front office, I think, gets the correct amount of credit for that. I think everybody recognizes that they completely fleeced Elton Brand. But then again, you draft Chuma Okiki because you have a draft pick. You draft Mo Bamba because you have a draft pick. Like, they're bringing in these young guys, right, because that's just what you do every year. You bring in a rookie or two every year. But outside of that, we're not really – getting many signs that the front office is really interested in turning things over to the youth. Like we keep talking about getting out of this, you know, purgatory, this mediocrity of being like the seventh, eighth seed. The front office has never done anything to tell us that that's not what they want. So at some point, Luke, are we just talking ourselves into to hoping and thinking that that's what the front office is going to do, that they eventually are going to, you know, go with the, the youth movement? Or are we kidding ourselves? And this is really what they want. They they are completely okay with fighting for the seventh, eighth, or this year the ninth, tenth seed, and just barely make it into the playoffs because you know they're competitive and they made the playoffs. And and there's something to be said for that, definitely. But I, I I'm starting to feel like we we played ourselves. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think that. It's unfortunate. Uh, making the postseason was like if they're just reading the fan base and like what the fans want, which I know they're not doing most of the time, but I know they were Cliff's first season um, because it was also good for the organization. It was great to make the playoffs the first time. Gave us one of the best moments in Magic history. Uh, DJ Augustine hitting that three in game in game one. Um, last year, you make the playoffs. Fan base is like, oh, cool. We're back in the playoffs. This is great. Well, guess what? Now we want to get further than that. And sometimes to go two steps forward, you got to take one back. And if that means not making the playoffs, then let's not make the playoffs. If that means, if that means, you know, and it's not just, it's not the tank, just a tank, right? Like it's not the tank just because I want Jalen green. All I'm saying, what I'm saying is put the young guys out there, put Mo Bamba out there, let him run more than Birch trade birch at the deadline uh it, but but seriously let mo bomba run even if you think it's gonna lose you games that's all i want i just want mo bomba to play we don't have to lose games mo, mo bomba might contribute to us winning a lot of games this year i don't have a clue but i'd like to know so i think that's that, that's that's what i want i just i just want that to happen um i don't care about the playoffs honestly i'm I'm finally saying it. I don't care about the playoffs. Like I, I, I don't know what it means. Just let Mobamba play. If we make the playoffs, great. If we, if we end up tanking, you know, without meaning to, great. At least you're developing young talent. Which, by the way, just goes right next to you know Mo and Markel on on a pick and roll next year, and and Jonathan Isaac being able to ISO do his own thing and then play defense. Like that is going to be incredible if we can get Mo to that point. I don't care about Markel playing alongside Kim Birch. I don't. And guess what? Trade Kim. He's played so great this year. Who knows what your return's going to be? So trade Kim. Just trade him. 
let Mo play. I don't care. I I hate that Kim Birch is in the way of this because I'm sure Kim's a great guy and he has played great for for you know his standards. He's one of the best backups in the league. But trade him. That's all. It does kind of suck that Kim is caught in the middle. I've met I've met Kim yeah. at at Top Golf in Orlando and he you know he was in the middle of eating so. You know, he could have just told me to like, bro, get lost. Like, I'm, I'm having dinner with my wife, but he was really nice. You know, I just told at that point I said, you know, thanks for you know a great season. I hope the magic bring you back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they did. Super nice guy. It does suck that he's caught in the middle of this, but it's it's really not about Kem. It's it's about Mo. And we keep talking about Mo specifically because the other young guys are playing. Like yeah. Cole is playing, Chuma's playing, everything like that. The next, the next five five weeks. I, I've been talking about this the last few weeks now. Um, like the, the trade deadline is going to tell us everything that we need to know, what direction this team is headed and what they really value mm-hmm. and whether or not they, they've given up on, on Mo. Because if you look at Kem, his value is never ho- going to be higher than it is right now. He's on an expiring deal. So if you believe in Mo, and in, in my opinion, I don't know how you take a look at what he's been able to do on the floor this season and say, that's a guy that I'm willing to give up on. I, that I can't even begin to calculate that in my brain if that is the case. We've talked about how if they do give up on Mo, that it's a monumental organizational failure from the draft pick to, I mean, you, you can't really argue with the health stuff. A lot of that is just bad luck, but specifically not playing him this season. Like, move Kem, if for no other reason than to get Mo minutes. Because if they don't trade Kem, right, he that tells you they're still trying to make the playoffs. It tells you they're probably interested in bringing him back next year once he expires. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to bring Kem back, then you, you've you seen all that you need to see from Mo Bamba, and that would just be so unfortunate. Yeah, well, we've seen, Jonathan, firsthand that, you know, getting a player out of the way, who it's not their fault in the first place, getting them out of the way provides an opportunity for the player who should get it for development per- developmental purposes. Mark Elfolds. Mark Elfolds, last year. You can't tell me Cliff doesn't favor the older guys, the vets, the guys who aren't gonna hurt you, but they're you know they may not you know you know make your team incredible. Um, we saw it last year when we've said it many times. You have DJ Augustine run the offense when there's a guy in Markel Fultz who, yes, at the beginning may not have been capable or you may not have been confident, but we all knew at that point that Markel could run the offense. But it took the front office showing DJ the door. Thanks for everything you did thanks for the memories but it's time to look toward the future it's time to look toward the future again kim here's the door thank you very much you played great this year you know blah 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 it's time for mo bomba to get some run it's the same song and dance it really different is in terms of how cliff is handling it but it's the same song and dance get him out of the way get that player out of the way the vet player out of the way so that mo and whoever the young player is in this instance, you can insert anybody because I'm sure it'll apply as long as Cliff is head coach. Get him out of the way and let the young guy develop. So something that just, just occurred to me that we've been talking about for three, four months now in regards to either trading Evan or trading Aaron Gordon, right? Because it's like we have J.I., we have Chuma. Aaron is just kind of in the way. Nobody has had an objection to that, to to the level with Mo, right? Like, we talk about that. People are like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Aaron's not going to be the guy here. You know, we've talked about trading him for years. With Mo, it's completely different. It's what are you talking about? This kid sucks. Chem is so good, blah, blah, blah. When it's literally almost the same situation with Aaron. 
Like you have a logjam at that position. There's young guys who we want to develop, but with Mo, for whatever reason, people just think it's different. So I don't know. I find it pretty interesting, but I feel like like I've emptied I've emptied the clip on Mo. Like I've said everything that I need to say. You know, um, there's like Mo cannot possibly play better than he did the other night to convince Cliff that he needs to be inserted in the lineup. So like Cliff said, unless it's a sprained ankle or, you know, anything happening to Nick or, or, or to, to Kem, Mo's just not going to see the floor. So at this point, I'm just waiting to see what the organization does at the trade deadline. And if they don't move Kem, they tell me everything I need to know. And if they move Mo? Then they tell me everything I need to know. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. And, and I'll just – I'll. That would be a major hit, like a major dent in their credentials for me because you guys took him with the, what was it, the fifth, sixth Six. pick? Like, you took you took him. We knew from day one. Here I'm saying that the clip is empty and I'm just reloading. Mm-hmm. You're, you knew from day one that he was a three, four-year project minimum and you gave up on him at the beginning of his third year when he has not had a healthy season yet. Yeah. So... You you just you just look incompetent at that point, like there like news article you know news um, outlets like the Ringer uh, and, and like Zach Lowe have talked about how you know the Magic for years have mismanaged uh, assets and this would just be another mismanaged asset when it comes to to Mo Bamba. Well, yeah, and and some of you guys might know who this is, but um, there's a a YouTuber by the name of King of the Fourth Quarter. He his name Kenny Beecham. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff with, like, House of Highlights and all this kind of stuff. I'll never forget, and I just thought of this, actually, again. He did, like, a recap of the draft when the Magic drafted Mo, And 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 Kenny said, you know, I, I don't I, – I love Mo as a player, which is why I'm upset he's going to Orlando. Because Orlando's not going to develop him into a player that he needs to be. And obviously, the front office at the time it wasn't well him, but it still is ironic because I remember actually tweeting at him and just being that like, was well him. Kenny's just salty. The Bulls, it was we draft, they drafted was him. It their first. Nope, Jonathan was their first draft pick. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know wingspans, all that stuff. That was I'm the big just thing. saying, like so we just yeah, have a, a history, like for thirty two, thirty three years now, have a history of not managing assets correctly. Well, but and that was the thing though is like that was the beginning of Wellham, and so I I said that's that's what it was. It was the big beginning of them at the, at the front office, and I was like, I remember tweeting at him. It was like, you know, Kenny's a Bulls fan, and I was like, you know, Kenny's just mad that that the you know the Bulls didn't get Bamba and blah blah blah, just slandering him because you like him as a player and team to get him. And he was just like, no, genuinely, I just don't trust the Magic to develop him into a player that he needs to be. And uh, and so you know, looking back at it. Uh, irritates me because guess what, Kenny? Maybe you were right. Maybe maybe that's the case, and the Magic are giving up on him. Um, I don't know, man. It's just like Mo last year, or he had a qualifying offer in like twenty two, twenty three. I don't know. I don't know what what it looks like for Mo. I don't know what this looks like if if they keep Kim throughout the season and don't trade him, then. Uh, I hope they let him walk, but I don't think that they they will. And I think that Mo just gets traded almost on when he's like close to expiring. So I I don't know. Yeah, man. 
it sucks, but again, the next couple of weeks are going to tell us everything that we need to know. So, but that's all I have for Mo. You got anything else? No. Nah, what's the day of the deadline? March fifth, I believe. So, really, next four weeks are going to gotcha. tell us everything we need to know. If I'm mm-hmm. correct, I might have that wrong, but I'm I'm almost certain it's March fifth. So yeah, and, and yeah. Keith Smith today, you you uh, you texted that to me that he's you know the the feeling around the league is that there aren't many sellers at the deadline. So if you are a seller, you're going to be able to get a pretty good return for not giving up much. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, the Magic need to be sellers, but we'll see. So let's take a quick look at the week ahead. So the Magic head west. I always hate these freaking road trips every single year. Games don't start until ten o'clock. Up until 1 a.m., just never a good time. But uh, so at Portland, that game starts at 10 o'clock Eastern Time, p.m. Uh, on Tuesday. Excuse me, the uh, McDonald's is coming back. The Portland Trailblazers are currently 12 and 10. They are 5 and 5 in their last 10 games. Quick look at the injury report for them: missing C.J. McCollum, Nasir Little, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, and Zach Collins, uh, and then Golden State. 10 o'clock Thursday night, Warriors are 12 and 12, 4 and 6 in their last 10 games. Right now, they're missing James Wiseman and Kevon Looney playing without a center. And then at Sacramento on Friday, again, 10 o'clock start. The Kings are 12 and 11, but they are 7 and 3 in their last 10. Clean injury report, clean injury report for them. And then at Phoenix, 8 o'clock on Sunday, we get a little bit of an earlier start. The the I'm sorry, the Suns are 13 and 9. They are 6-4 in their last 10. Right now, Chris Paul is day-to-day with a hamstring. Abdul Nader is day-to-day with an ankle injury. And then Jay Crowder is out right now with a foot injury. But I believe there's a possibility he could be back sometime this week. So, Luke, four games. Right now, again, the Magic are 9-15, 13th in the Eastern Conference. How do you see this week going for us? Uh, I mean, like you said last week, Looking at like this last half of our you know first part of the schedule, you can't. It's hard to look at a at a at the schedule and say, oh, the Magic are gonna win, um, especially on a road trip. I mean, you're playing every team at their home. Um, you know, uh, Portland, Gordon, Golden State, Sacramento, Phoenix. I I could see the Magic going zero and four. Um, I could also see the Magic maybe going two and two. Um, it just kind of depends. Um, Portland obviously missing CJ helps the magic a lot um golden state looks like they're kind of even though they're four and six in their last 10 I, I feel like they're kind of steph's getting into a rhythm more um you know steph's having crazy outings and i i don't know i've been putting numbers on their record you know the past few weeks i really don't know if i can really give you a record because i really have no idea I, I, you could tell me they go two and two. I'd be like, okay. You could tell me they go zero and four. I'd say, okay. Like, I have no idea. So I'm like, I'm like right in the middle. I'm, I'm gonna say one and three, just because looking at the schedule this week, they do have a lot of rest. That you know, they're gonna have some practice time. They got to Portland, uh, I believe, yesterday. So when I say yesterday, I mean Sunday. I know you guys are gonna hear this technically Tuesday. It's almost one a.m. Tuesday. Um, but so they had a, a full day to rest and to practice today, and then they're going to travel to Golden State Tuesday night. So they'll be there Wednesday. So they'll have a full day of rest. Then they might be able to get some practice in on Wednesday before they play Golden State on Thursday. So uh, then they have the back to back. You know, they're, uh, uh, or, yeah, Thursday and then Friday at Sacramento. So 
just I just don't want to say they're going to go zero and four on the road trip, and just given the amount of rest they have, they should. Even if they lose against Portland, they should be able to regroup and, and practice and fix some things before the Warriors game on Thursday. Now, whether or not that's going to lead to a win against the Warriors or the Kings or the Suns, I really don't know. Could easily see them going 0-4. I'll be pleasantly surprised if they go 2-2, two and two, but I'm thinking 1-3. and three, They just end up picking up one uh, along the way. And looking at the, the record and their win percentage, you know, one in three, especially since, you know, Markel has been out. That's basically what they're doing. They're winning like one every four, one out of every four to five games right now. So, yeah, I'm going to say one in three, but uh, but we'll see. It's just crazy. Like you said, looking at the schedule from now until, you know, like the, the all-star break and everything like that, um, which is so dumb that they're going to have an all-star game. We didn't really touch on that, but you can't circle a win for the Magic and – I just don't know if the next few weeks the the win loss record is going to have any impact on on what the front office is going to do. I'm I'm really starting to have my doubts. So, but yeah, what do you think about the All Star game? Let's talk about that real quick, and we'll wrap up. As you yawn like a um, grizzly bear. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's me. It's been uh, a long day. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. All Star game. Dumb. No point. I I don't care if you're gonna force something, force a dunk contest. I don't really care to see the All Star game. I'm not. I don't want to sound like you know one of those boomers, but like there's no defense. Uh, they're just gonna shoot. Guys like LeBron have already voiced their opinion. They don't want to go anyway. So, I I just don't see a point. I mean, these guys like the teams that made the finals. Like LeBron, his whole point was like we have seven. We had seventy days rest. And guess what? They weren't really resting. LeBron and those guys, like, they don't rest. They're, they're, they may take a two-week vacation or a week vacation, and then they're back at it. So, yeah, um, it's just dumb. They're not getting the rest that they probably need and deserve, um, just the league as a whole. I, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of those guys are looking forward to, you know, these games and road trips where they're playing back-to-backs a, a lot. Um, probably looking forward to spending time with family, you know, for that week or whatever. Um, and now they've got to go to the all-star game. And so, you know, I'm sure some people are happy. James Harden, probably happy, probably going to go to some, you know, strip clubs with two chains or something. I don't know. Um, Magic so, City. Uh, yeah, right. So they're going to get some of those wings and, uh, have a good time, but I'm sure other guys like LeBron are just like, you know, what's the point? We don't want to do it. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's dumb. I don't think there's a point. Uh, I don't know who really cares about the All Star Game anymore, and uh, like I feel like it's just gotten like less popular. And maybe we're just getting older. But you, you, you care about the All Star Game, Jonathan? I care about the All Star Game, just given the changes that they made to it last year with like the Elam ending. Like, like I legitimate like the fourth quarter of that All Star Game was amazing. Like the consensus on Twitter last night was that not last night last year was that. That was one of the best all-star games that we've had in years. So the changes that they made and, and kind of revitalized it a little bit, I really enjoyed last year's all-star game. I, I, and I I, enjoy, I just enjoy the festivities every year. But this year, I do think it's stupid. If for no other reason, then these guys need a break. The schedule is so condensed. People are getting hurt left and right. Nobody knows that better than we do. And guys could just use you know a few days off. Like, LeBron doesn't want to do I'm it. I'm pretty sure that they said they're going to. I was just going to say, 
yeah, people don't want to do it, and that's so like that should be enough indication. I thought the MBPA like worked with them. Apparently, Chris Paul pushed for it. I don't. It is freaking weird. I don't know. Um, you'd think that Chris Paul talked to the best player in the league and LeBron James about you know what his feelings were. One of his best whatever. friends. Um, right. So, uh, but I also thought that I read that like they're pushing for the All Star Game and a Skills Challenge. Did you see that? I had not read that, but that, that would like, just be even more stupid. I'm pre- unless I'm just pulling that out of nowhere, I'm pretty sure I saw that those are the two things that they're going to push for. It's like, yes, I understand that like last year's All-Star Game was great, and it was. It was entertaining. I watched it. Um, uh, but the but everything that makes All-Star Weekend is the weekend. It's right. it's no it's like, you know, uh, the press is all around them and you know all the players are together, blah blah, blah and you see it and it's 24/7 coverage and it's like Super Bowl week in terms of media, which sad we didn't have that this year either, but understandable. Um but yeah, I mean in that and there's the three-point contest and the dunk contest and all the players reacting and all this stuff like it's just not going to be the same, especially now knowing that like there's going to be guys there that just really don't want to be there. So it's not going to be the same. It's dumb. They shouldn't do it. But they've already reached their agreement, and guess what? They're going to make some money doing it, so whatever. Yeah, that's what it's all about. But, yeah, I was just going to say LeBron came out, and he's against it. Giannis is against it. Kawhi's against it. Like, when the the best players in the league don't want to do it, like, you know that you kind of did something wrong. But, again, it's it's all about the money. You know, they're trying to recoup revenue that, you know, they're losing this year from ticket sales, but also last year from – you know, wiping out the last quarter of the regular season. So, but I mean, if I'm in the NBA and I, I'm like, unless it's like maybe my first all-star game, like if I'm Zach Levine, I'm going all out because I want to be an all-star regardless, like game, no game. Like it'd be his, you know, first all-star appearance would be really cool. But for guys that have maybe made it a few times, like if I'm like, I don't know, DeMar DeRozan, right? I'm not going to be a, a starter, but I don't even know if he, looking at the West, if he's going to be a fringe all-star this year or not. But I'm sandbagging it the, the last, the next couple of weeks. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't want to go to the all-star game. So I'm instead of, you know, putting up 27 a night, I'm going to put up 21 a night. If we lose by five, you know, it's so be it. But, uh, yeah, man, I it's, it's a dumb idea, but NBA is going to try to make as much money as they can. And, you know, I'd love to say that I'm not going to watch it, but I know that I will. Oh, so. of course. Yeah. So anything else? Nope. I think that's it for me. All right. Yeah, free, we're about to hop Mo-Bamba. off here. Free Mo Bamba. FMB, baby. All day. Free Mo um, backwards. Facts. So, yeah, we're going to get off here. We're going to go get some sleep. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You guys have been listening to the Six Man Show. For Luke and Jonathan, we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!